The reading is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, beginning at verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. A few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered there that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and, after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat and walk but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. This is the word of the Lord.
Thanks be to God. Beautifully read. So, as I said at the beginning of the service, what we're doing is we're just carrying through Mark's gospel. So I'm just going to look at these verses, if that's okay, this morning. And really, what I want to do is ask you a question, which is, what are your priorities? What are your priorities in your life at the moment? And I was thinking about this many years ago when I was living in New Zealand. Uh, a business friend of mine said to me, Mike, I've, I've got this business coach who's the best in the country. He's offered to do some free work for people. And I thought of you, whether you would like to spend some time with him. And I thought, um, sounds good, why not? So I met him for a coffee, and um, he asked me that question. He said, what are your priorities? And uh, he said, why don't we just write them out? And so I told him what my priorities were, and it involved Bex, it involved uh, the children. Most of our children have been born by then, and the church and other things. And uh, he said, okay, look, I want to meet you next month, and for this to really work, I just need to um, have access to your diary for the last three months or six months. And um, I said, that's fine. He said, also, could you send me copies of your bank statements for the last six months? I'm like... So I thought he's the best in the country, and uh, I'll just make the most of this. So I sent off all the information, and we met the following month. And uh, we met in the same cafe, we sat down. He said, look, Mike, you said your priorities are these, but actually, when I look at how you spend your time, uh, how you spend your money, uh, these aren't your priorities. They're well-intentioned, but in practice, these aren't your priorities. And it was actually uh, quite shocking, but it also helped me to change my priorities and actually change how I spent time and conducted my life so that my priorities really were what I wanted them to be. So I'm asking you this morning, what are your priorities? And what I want to do as I look at these verses is really ask, well, what were Jesus' priorities? Because as Christians, there is something to be said for actually seeking God as to what our priorities are. And I just want to uh, um, suggest a few things this morning. The first is that seems to me obvious if you read the Gospels, if you read uh, Mark's Gospel, the other Gospels, that Jesus' top priority really uh, was prayer, verse 35 to 37. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. When they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone's looking for you. And so Jesus was a man of prayer. His whole life uh, was actually based on prayer. As a Jewish man at that time, he would have actually had to say set prayers three times a day, uh, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. Uh, but Jesus seems to actually live a whole life uh, of prayer. He prays at great events in his life. Think of his baptism. When the heavens open, he's praying. Think of the transfiguration, he's praying at that point in time. Think of when he picks the 12 disciples, he's praying. So he prays at great events uh, in his life. He prays um, as he's ministering to people. He seems to be listening to God and praying. I could go on. He prays with other people. He prays at tough times in his life, probably the hardest in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, he's a man of prayer. So... Seems to me that if we're to um, be thinking about our priorities, prayer needs to actually be right up there in terms of 
the priority for our life. So I'm asking you this morning, are you a man or woman of prayer? How's your prayer life? And I don't know about you, but when I hear that question, I sometimes say, oh, yikes, it's that talk uh, or it's that challenge. Because uh, I don't know about you, I feel pretty lousy at prayer. I don't, fair, I don't find prayer easy. Um, but actually, I do try and prioritize it. And the sense in which I raise this isn't to condemn or sort of make everyone feel guilty. It's just to remind us, actually, Jesus prayed. He put it above all sorts of things. Uh, he withdrew. He prayed all the time. He uh, prayed without ceasing to grab a phrase from 1 Thessalonians 5 from Paul's teaching. And actually, in prayer, it's not about sort of, oh, yikes, it's actually doing life connected with the God of the universe, the Lord who loves you, and actually share your whole life with him uh, from the time you get up to the time you go to bed and walking with the Lord. And uh, this is God's desire for us. It always has been. You see that in the Garden of Eden, that actually God wants to walk with his people in the cool of day, do life with them. And this really is what prayer is all about. So I mention that as well because we do have Thy Kingdom Come, this national prayer event, and I'd encourage you to... um, pray to get involved with that and do all you can to um, be praying. Does that sound a fair priority? Don't miss out on what the Father can offer you as you do life with him. Well, what do you think Jesus' second priority was? I want to suggest very briefly, I'm not going to spend long on this, but we can actually overlook this. Verse 38 is actually to preach, is to speak about the kingdom of God, and we've seen this the last couple of weeks. Verse 38, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Uh, An insult today really is, oh, they're a bit preachy. Have you heard that one? Or uh, 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 preaching. Uh, uh, uh. Actually, as we've heard, um, speaking about Jesus Uh, is the call on us uh, in the church to actually be speaking about who he is, his unconditional love, the life he offers, the transformation he offers, and speak about the good news that we looked at uh, a couple of weeks ago. The good news uh, of Jesus is uh, what the uh, message we carry. And it's transforming the message we have uh, to actually be speaking about Christ, who he has, who he is, Uh, his life, death, resurrection, and what he does. And I was speaking to someone recently last week who has recently come to faith at St. Saviour's, and he was just beaming about the difference that Jesus has made in his life. He said, oh my goodness, I I was totally uh, lost. I felt I had no meaning in my life, and actually I've come to faith, and uh, I feel God transforming me and healing me and changing me. This is incredible, was his phrase. So as well as asking you and me, myself, how's my prayer life, I'm asked, I also want to ask you this morning, are you speaking about Jesus? Are you speaking about the one who's come, the one who we're looking at as we look at Mark's gospel? And it's a great, great temptation in the Christian life to stop speaking about Jesus because actually we get silenced. And I don't know about you, when I think speaking about Jesus, I don't go, whoopee! I slightly sort of think, oh, yikes, or, oh, my goodness, this could be awkward or, you know, embarrassing, or how am I going to do that? But actually, I've also seen 
just the message of Jesus transform people and change people. So I want to uh, urge you to not just think about your prayer life, but also think about your uh, preaching and keep, keep speaking about the one who's revealed himself to you. And this is what we're trying to do as a church, isn't it? We're trying to actually reach out into the community, speak of him, and see lives transformed, just as our own lives uh, has been transformed. So... I guess it's priority one is prayer. Priority two is preaching or speaking about Jesus Christ. What do you think priority three is? Here it is. I want to suggest Jesus' third priority really was transforming people. And um, I've got this physio and I've been having dodgy knees. Has anyone got dodgy knees? Uh, it happens, and <laughs> it happens. And I went to the physio, I got referred to the hospital, I got this lovely physio, and the first thing she said, as she said, what's wrong? I said, I've got these dodgy knees, I can't run anymore, and I'm struggling to cycle my bike. And um, she said, okay, we've got to actually completely transform you, haven't we? We've got to turn this around and transform you. She said, what do you do? I said, I'm actually a vicar. And she said, she said okay, uh, she said, this is really important because uh, you need to kneel when you pray, don't you? And so every time I see her, I've seen her for the last 18 months, she says, can, can you kneel? Can you still kneel? And it's kind of like the whole, the whole thing depends on whether I can still kneel and pray. And uh, then she referred me back to the consultant, and the consultant said, she said, what have you been doing? Da, da, da. She said, um, yeah, we've got to try and transform those knees. And the last visit, she'd been far too kind to you. It's probably because you're a vicar or something. She's, um, she doesn't want to push you too far, so she's given me one of those stretchy elastic bands. You know, there's the stretchy elastic bands that you have to do stuff with. And if you're anything like me, you go through the exercises uh, quite carefully. They draw the diagrams that you sort of, yeah, I think I've got it. And then within five minutes, you've just completely forgotten the whole, whole thing, how to do them. But Jesus basically uh, wants to transform people. And some interesting things uh, emerge in this passage. First of all, he wants to set people free from the demonic, verse 39. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Uh, there's the man with leprosy between verse 40 and 45. We'll come back to him. And also the paralyzed man between chapter 2, 1 to 12. We'll come back to him. This talk of demons um, sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? When I first came to faith, I remember people talking about demons. Oh, that's a bit full on. And uh, I was praying, God, you know, I don't know about that. That sounds really full on. I don't know whether that's really real. And I went to have my hair cut um, in High Street, Kensington, where I used to live. And um, the man cutting my hair was demonized. And uh, uh, he, he started to go a bit strange when I was speaking about Jesus. He came to do Alpha. I invited him Alpha, but he just sort of couldn't uh, handle it, and I never saw him again. But we need to just be aware of the spiritual dynamics uh, going on around us. If we're going to really believe the Bible, we have a Christian worldview, don't we? Not a scientific, rationalist worldview. I, mean, I was speaking to a drug dealer last week, and uh, he also uh, was just struggling with the demonic these uh, uh, evil entities seeking to ruin his life. And he's bound. He's not having fun. Uh, and, you know, he needs to be set free. And uh, evil is a reality. And we can often lose sight of that in the church. Jesus was asked in John's Gospel, why have you come? He said, to destroy the works of the evil one. And so we need to actually think about this as we think about transforming people and praying for people and actually have that spiritual discernment. And I'm off to the Middle East and 
uh, I wanted you to know I'm, evil is a reality. I'm going out there with Open Doors. Have you heard of Open Doors? They contacted me a couple of months ago and said, would you like to come on this trip? And um, I said, sounds good. It's all paid for. We'd like you to come out to Beirut. And we'd like to, uh, we're seeing Syrian Christians who've been persecuted. And um, some of the atrocities, we're going to meet some of the leaders in the churches. We're going to try and learn from them. People who've uh, rubbed up against ISIS and have real, real uh, evil has been committed uh, against them. So I'd appreciate your prayers for that. I'm allowed to say that to you. I'm not allowed to put anything on the website, but would you pray for that trip? But the reason I tell you that, if you're looking slightly confused, is evil is a reality. You know, there's uh, ISIS, what they do to children, what they do to people, what they've been doing to the church is evil. And so as we think about transforming people, we need to factor in this New Testament biblical uh, worldview as to what we're up against as we seek to speak of Christ, as we seek to uh, be people of prayer. Are you with me? Or are you slightly, are you with me? Good. So that's uh, the uh, evil. What about this man with leprosy? Well, it's interesting, isn't it, that actually Jesus uh, comes across him and um, he really is seeking to transform him. Verse 40, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Jesus, you see, wants to transform people, to heal people, to change people. And he, he's done that in my life. He's continuing uh, to do that. It's clear from verse 41, he has real compassion on this man and uh, touches him. Now, you know uh, leprosy is, uh, at that time, people were unclean when they had leprosy. They were often separated off. They had to ring bells. It still happens to this day to warn people they were coming. People never touched them for fear of catching leprosy. And also, if you touched a person with leprosy, under the law, it made you uh, unclean. But Jesus actually is far more interested in people than all those sorts of concerns because he has uh, compassion on people. And I used to work as a voluntary chaplain in St. Mary's Hospital in Paddington many years ago. And basically, uh, I was a chaplain to the uh, Elton John ward or wing, and it was full of uh, gay men dying of HIV. And uh, it was at the time when the drugs weren't very good. And so they'd often have quite painful deaths. And, um, you know, speaking to them, what they often said is that people just don't want to come near us. And uh, no one wants to touch us. They think they're going to get HIV. And um, often they said, you know, the, some of the most unfriendly people we've met are Christians, the church. And I say that because I used to go in there and just spend time with them. I used to hold their hands and pray with them. And um, if I'm honest, I was a bit worried about it at times myself in the sense of, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Is this really wise? But I say that because Jesus loves people. He has compassion on people. And he wants to touch absolutely everyone and anyone, including you and me, and also the great untouchables he wants to connect with and minister to. And you see this. We mustn't miss the radical nature of this in this uh, passage. He's not just compassionate, he also has power and authority, verse 42. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. So 
Jesus also, uh, we don't just worship a Nancy pantsy sort of nighty-wearing funny guy. We actually worship the Lord of all the earth who has all authority and seeks to heal and minister and renew human life and transform people. And uh, you see his power here. And you get this strange bit between 43, verse 43 and 45. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone. I don't know. Today, if someone healed someone like that, they say, make sure you tell everyone. Put it on Facebook. Tweet. Tell everyone. Email all your, all your contact list. But Jesus says, whatever you do, don't tell anyone about this. It's sort of is quite extraordinary. People wonder why he does that. Actually, one of the realities of being a person of prayer, one of the realities of being a person who speaks about Jesus, one of the realities of being a person who touches the untouchables and steps out and does the Jesus thing is that it's dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. Uh, you'll get criticized, uh, you'll get oppressed, and lots of opposition will come against you. This is the reality for Jesus. We forget the opposition and uh, great venom that came amongst him. And so he, Jesus says to this guy, look, just keep this quiet, I've healed you, and don't tell anyone, because I don't want word to spread. And there's a whole theological theory that one of the reasons Jesus often told people not to uh, tell what he'd done, and the answers to prayer, was that they, he, he, he knew he was gonna die, he knew he was gonna be killed, and he wanted to have enough time just to get his message out before he was executed. And another theory is, why did he speak in parables? The same reason, they think, that he could actually just tell these stories that were so, so powerful, and it was a way of just getting his message out in a way that he could just uh, keep going longer before uh, he was uh, killed and crucified. So it was dangerous doing these things. It was dangerous for Jesus, we know that. And uh, then he says, doesn't he, um, where are we? Uh, he says, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. And what Jesus is wanting this man to do is to follow the Old Testament law. Uh, he's been unclean. He needs to show himself to the priest to get ritual purification. And also people think what Jesus is doing is um, he wants the, um, uh, the Pharisees to see this healing as well, and that will further authenticate who he is. So basically, this is an extraordinary encounter, and uh, it's a powerful encounter, but actually what you see is Jesus really seeking to transform this man with leprosy. I don't know what you would do, but I would probably do what the man does in verse 45. Instead, he went out, began to talk freely, spreading the news, and as a result, Jesus could no longer enter town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places, yet the people still came to him from everywhere. And uh, there's this sense, isn't there? We forget the cost of this ministry to Jesus. He's on the edges. He's hiding. He's uh, going to lonely places uh, because the people are flocking in. And you see this um, secondly in this healing with, of the man who is paralyzed in chapter two. And um, again, a few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he'd come. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. 
Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. So this is quite an extraordinary um, encounter, isn't it? Uh, Quite an extraordinary episode in this life of Jesus. And what can we take from this? We can take all sorts of things from this, but actually this man's friends had great faith, didn't they? They had great faith that Jesus was going to make a difference. They had great faith that if they could just bring him to Jesus, something would happen. And uh, they actually break through the roof uh, in the ancient Near East at that time. Uh, you could break through the roofs of the houses. Uh, they, were, they did have some um, um, stone, but they were soft as well. So you could push through. They'd actually bust through the roof and lower their friend in. And uh, I guess... As I say that, I'm thinking, how much faith do I have uh, that Jesus is going to do anything? How much faith do I have at this time in my life that he, he can make a difference, he can change situations? Who am I um, bringing to Jesus for transformation? And how much am I willing to uh, persevere in that? Am I willing to bust the roof in um, and try and get someone to Jesus. Often we give up too soon, don't we? I certainly do. And I sort of, oh, the door's locked, let's go. Uh, Oh, there's too many people, let's not bother. Let's try tomorrow or next week or next year. But these guys just carry on. And Jesus does this extraordinary thing, first of all, which is also incredibly dangerous and provocative. He says in verse five, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Uh, In Old Testament Jewish theology, um, not even the Messiah could forgive sins, only God could forgive sins. So he's going, hello everyone, I forgive your sins and I'm God, which was a very, very risky thing to do in his present company, and which he was later on um, executed for. And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking uh, in their hearts. He said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And this man's greatest need actually wasn't his paralysis. It was actually uh, he needed his sins forgiving. Jesus starts there. Then he heals him. And in doing these two things, he says, hello, I'm God. He's not just words. He actually does uh, bring healing and forgiveness and transforms this whole man's life. Such is his power. And you get the reaction in the end of this passage, verse 22. He got up, got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. We've never seen anything like this. So priorities. What are your priorities? Should we think about prayer? Should we think about speaking about Jesus? And shall we think about this call on our life to bring transformation to other people through the word of God and through the spirit of God resting on us and be people who bring people into his presence, be people who expect him to do something and be people who take risks, even if it's gonna cost us, even if people are gonna think we're weird, even if uh, it might be slightly awkward to be praying for these things. Uh, But are we gonna press on and do what Jesus did? What's your diary looking like? What are your bank statements looking like? God bless you.